She's made over $1.7 million in Etsy. She's had multiple $100,000 months, and she's an online entrepreneur that leverages the power of the Etsy marketplace and also knows how to scale beyond Etsy. Today, we're talking with full-time online entrepreneur, Hannah Gardner, about how she finds products, ranks products, makes the products and builds the brands all online, having fun at the same time. Hannah's story is super inspiring. We talk about things that you won't hear anywhere else. So let's just dive in now and jump right into it. Yeah, tell me, tell me how you found found Etsy. Tell me how. Tell me your story. Oh man! All right. So we basically, we me basically, um, when I was like trying to figure out ways to like make money online, I had like certain requirements in my life that I was like trying to achieve, which was like time freedom, location freedom, and obviously financial um, freedom. Um, and then I went to like go figure out how to turn that into a business. Um, and at the time, one of the like really, really like things going on was like Facebook ads and like Facebook ads and like mm -hmm. media buying was like becoming, it was like easy to like put out an ad and get really high return on ads then. And so I kind of got into like this group of entrepreneurs that were doing media buying. So they were starting like these media buying agencies specifically for like local lead gen. So like for like plastic surgeons and like med spas, a lot of local lawyers or real estate agents and you know I went through a lot of masterminds and programs and eventually <laughs> um, when I went to go get clients I ended up like landing all e-commerce clients and so I like had was kind of like learning on the fly like I was turning like all this marketing background of like funnels and like understanding like how to get higher increasing conversion rates on landing pages and why buttons should be positioned like this or why the color should look like that or why the branding should look like this. Just like all these like marketing efforts that kind of translates to e-commerce in general. Mm -hmm. And so I started getting e-commerce clients and I ended up getting, I got up to like nine uh, clients at the time and I had one virtual assistant helping me. Um, but the problem was <laughs> in e-commerce, e-commerce is not like, a brand or a niche like a plastic surgeon or like a med spa or like uh, a lawyer where really like the fundamentals of those business models like their needs wants fears and goals translate from plastic surgeon sur surgeon office to plastic surgeon office like they have the same type of onboarding the same type of basically marketing efforts as in like needs wants fears and goals but when you go to, to a company, uh, an e-commerce company, where one e-commerce company could be selling, you know, boob tape, another e-commerce company could be selling clothes, another company could be selling uh, jewelry, another company could be selling, you know, baby toys. <laughs> and so what you find and what you discover is in the world of e-commerce, the needs, wants, fears, and goals that one e-commerce store has may be completely different for a different e-commerce store. So even though it's still e-commerce and it's still physical products online, depending on their customer avatar, depending on, mm -hmm. you know, the marketing efforts, the language, you know, it's completely different. The marketing efforts for the most part are different. Like they're still like your standard, like email, SMS, doing the ads, but the strategies change. Um, so as I was getting more clients, I ended up like learning a lot about e-commerce yeah. and this was even before I really discovered Etsy. This was more like on the Shopify side and um, I, you know, started diving into all these different businesses and what I realized was <laughs> um, because I was working with a lot like middle to smaller companies what or or like fundamentally like brick and mortar stores like offline stores that were trying to translate what they're doing offline to something online. What I discovered is like, they're not even ready for marketing. Like they need me to fix like these 10 problems before I even start the job that they hired me for, which was like this, this traffic problem. Everyone has a traffic problem. Like I need more sales. I need more impressions to my Shopify store. Okay, cool. But I can even do that <laughs> until you fix your product photography. Sure. or you fix the actual product or wait, now the product doesn't make sense. Like the, the, the cost breakdown doesn't make sense when you translate it to something online or it's actually not a scalable product because you can't replicate it perfectly. So like all these problems that I started realizing that um, all my e-commerce clients had at the time, which what that sums up to is just having bad clients, but as like a newbie, just trying to get any clients, <laughs> you know, taking anybody's money to try to whatever. 
um, you know, make some money. Yeah, you're trying um, to figure it out. Like you're trying just to trying to figure it out. I would say yes to anybody, and and actually all the clients became referrals with other people, like referrals, referrals. Yeah. And um, yeah, so you know, they hired me for this traffic problem, but I realized, well, you actually have to fix these other ten problems before I even start my job. So I'm undercharging, overserving, super stressed out. Like always, feel like I feel like I'm underserving, but really I'm not. I'm just yeah overcompensating i think it's a girl thing i don't know or actually i don't know if i can say that these days but anyway yeah so but in the turmoil what i was learning was e-commerce in a nutshell so not so much from like the media buying background which obviously I learned that as well but just like how to make an optimized website how like what are the fundamental things that people look for moments of truth people look for to convert somebody on a website yeah. And so one of my clients owned an Etsy store alongside of her Shopify store. And she had an amazing product. <laughs> the, the girl like was not an entrepreneur. She like had stumbled into like a literally like a winning product. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to the point of like, oh my gosh, I hate my life. Like I hate what I'm doing. I don't like clients. Like I hate having clients. It's like, I don't know. It was just super stressful for me. Like some mm -hmm. people love being a boss and like having employees and clients and I'm not like, I'm not that person. I hate it. I want to have no employees. I want to have like, you know, as many, less minimal employees as possible. No, obviously no clients. Um, and so I saw her product. I saw her margin. I saw the loyalty, the brand loyalty that she didn't even realize. Um, and I was like, Hey, like, let me buy your, your business. Like, cause you suck at running it basically. <laughs> and I was like, or let me buy into it and become your partner and you know all this stuff so she was i think that was like a lot for her and like freaked her out kind of but we kind of went on this like two to three month hiatus where she kind of like left me in limbo and was like didn't really give me an answer i was like writing up contracts like basically trying to like scale her business because it was sure. scalable the product was it was like these like these like crowns that you wear at like a music festival okay. and her, her costs were like five dollars and she was selling them for like 120 dollars and wow. people were lining up to buy these things. Like, I kid you not, like, so scalable. It's like something you would say, like, Oh yeah, it's amazing. Up. It's amazing margin. Like you could scale crazy. that. Crazy. Like, not even just festivals. Like it was like, people would buy them for like photo shoots. And it was like, literally, but I mean, they were hand, like she was hand making them, but still, like, even if you had to add labor in there and product costs, like it, you're still looking at like 150 like, percent yeah. return. That's amazing. Like, so real quick, we'll pause it for a second. Cause you said just so much, so many things. I know. <laughs> and primarily our audience are Etsy sellers and, uh, and we will get there. I promise guys. So basically Hannah's story is super fascinating because she's coming like the, from the other side to Etsy. Uh, she, she kind of similar background to me probably is she came from like a marketing side her profession was like marketing. She was building an agency kind of, right? Whether she knew it or not. And so you're building this agency, you're getting clients, you're basically figuring it out how to serve these, <clears throat> excuse me, how to serve these customers via Facebook ads, maybe some whatever other paid traffic, meaning she's saying media buying, but what that means is basically like you're, you're, you're paying for paid ads essentially. Right? So think Facebook ads, think TikTok ads, think YouTube ads, think of paid traffic. And so you are, you're doing this for other people. You come across this customer or client of yours who is basically paying you to, to help her. Uh, she doesn't realize probably what she has. You see opportunity, you wanna like help her, of course, but then you're also seeing like, wow, there's like something probably to this e-commerce thing if you find a great product. And you already, you're already building this like skill, this tool in your tool belt of, of marketing, right? Which is something not everybody has you understand the fundamentals now of like converting somebody on a website via online. Uh, so now you're just thinking like, now you see opportunity and you're like, wow, I, I can do this. Uh, is that sound right? That's some of, some of that. Literally nailed on the head 100%. And honestly, this is actually something that I talk about, which I don't want to go too off tangent, but that method of like, if you're fundamentally the entrepreneur that has the business mindset, those partnerships in reality should work out really nice. Like if we, if she did go through that partnership and I actually came you know 50 owner on that or bought it or whatever and she was just the product like product quality you know operations type stuff when it came to product development and i strictly was just 
marketing, you know, funnels, ads, all that stuff. Those partnerships actually do really well. And if you are an entrepreneur and you're like, I don't know what the hell I want to sell. I don't really care. Cause you were kind of the same. You're like, I don't really care. I don't care what I sell. Like I'm not a designer. I mean, I can do design, but like I'm a marketer, like I'm an ads person. Like I can do the bare minimum from the creative side, but you know, for instance, like we're coming from that perspective of business of like, give me something to sell, we'll sell it. Whereas a lot of people on Etsy too, are, you know, they are the people that have all the design skill, but have no business mindset, sure. but those partnerships do really, really well. If you can find somebody and I actually teach this in my, co in my course, um, you know, if you are that entrepreneur, that's just like, I don't know what to sell, you know, go find somebody at a farmer's market that has a killer product and literally has no idea how to bring this to market. <laughs> you know, those, those are two nailed it. Like, I totally agree. Like th that's something that's not talked about a ton is like, those are two different skills. Um, mm -hmm. you could certainly be that in the same person, but usually you're not like usually naturally, like you're one or the other. Yes. And now you, you can learn like both skills and that's fine. Like that's in fact, if you, if you need to do it that way, do it that way. You need to learn both though. Uh, but if you can partner with somebody to do it, that's a whole nother game and you can really grow faster at that way. For sure. I, I agree. Two examples of this are actually two friends of mine um, is Moon Glow Jewelry. Like, like my friend Julian, he found them like literally at a farmer's market. It's like they imprint like the date of your birth, like moon on like a piece of jewelry. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to do $20 million this year. My, the second one that I have an example of is a phone case company called Velvet Caviar. And, you know, it was just the right time with phone cases. They like were the first like trending. Like, I encourage everybody to look up both of these because if you don't think it's possible, it's 100% possible. If you put it out there and you know, you're looking for that strategic partnership. Like those are two great case studies of that exact story where, and I wish that I had that, well, I didn't have that. The, the story goes downhill from there. Like she ended up kind of just like leaving me on for three months and like nothing came out of it. Mm -hmm. But if I did, I wish that I nailed somebody like that. And the whole development, product development side of my business was like not me doing it because I probably would have been way more successful. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it is what it is. I love it. I love it. Okay. So you eventually, you, what, okay. So take us, take us now this next step. You yeah. started your own Etsy shop. What did you do? Yeah. So that all fell through. I'm like super depressed and I'm like, I don't know what to sell. I don't really have confidence in myself on the product development side of things. Cause I'm not like, I really wasn't like a person that sat there and like made things. So mm -hmm. what did I do? I was after like another month of just like being depressed and insecure. I was like, all right, let me just figure this out. Right. So, I started actually with bathing suits and my grandma had taught me to sew when I was like little, hadn't like resurfaced that skill since I was like 10, but my grandma lived down the street and she had a serger and she had a regular straight stitch sewing machine. And we started sewing, I started sewing bathing suits. And then I put out, once I, you know, got some templates and some designs that I like, I, you know, put out an Indeed ad and I found somebody else to sew for me after I, could do it myself. Um, and so that whole thing kind of failed or dried out in a sense because textile, like if you're manufacturing, you know, bathing suits or physical like clothing type items, it's really, really hard uh, to scale just because you have material issues, supply chain issues when it comes to like getting material for retail clothing or bathing suits. You're kind of getting like any warehouse you go to, it's like you're kind of getting the scraps of like what like TJ Maxx is getting, or like the bigger, not TJ Maxx, but like bigger retail stores are getting. Yep. And so it's like to get the material again, it's like really hard. So it's really hard to scale that way. Yep. Um, so I ended up not doing that. And then I went more into like fast fashion accessory instead. Um, in which case we were able to produce the product a lot faster and a lot easier um, and work with a really good production partner where we are just supplying our designs and then <laughs> and then um, we can get the product um, pretty fast. Okay, real quick. So what is fast fashion? Uh, I, I don't know the fashion world. Like a lot of other Etsy sellers may, may or may not, I don't know. Um, but what is fast fashion? Like what does that even mean? Yes, for sure. So my understanding of what I've learned, um, basically like you have designer fashion, right? You have Gucci, you have Louis Vuitton, you got 
YSL, you got have you have brands where a t-shirt is five hundred dollars, right? Okay. Um, they're the people setting the trends. Those are the people that you see on the runways. If you're not one of those brands, you're pretty much and you purchase something that's not one of those brands, like it's pretty much considered fast fashion. The okay. trends are at the top of the food chain with the designers and whatever they put out, eventually you're going to see some form of that in Walmart or Target in like the next three years. <laughs> so the trend gets set. So if you're not one of those trend centers where you're not, um, you know, it's not your label or your designs where you have, um, you know, you're making, you know, unworldly designs that make it on the runway, then you're pretty much fast fashion. Fast fashion meaning, you know, you're paying, you know, $80 for a bathing suit instead of, $900 for a Gotcha. Okay. Understood. So majority of, majority of sellers or brand owners are mostly in the fashion world are probably fast fashion in the category, in that fast fashion category. Yeah. I would say, um, for jewelry, you know, you'll, you will find some designers on Etsy, like, especially for people that are handcrafting, handcrafting. Um, but what we were doing was, you know, we were using production partners, we were following data, <laughs> which I know we're going to talk about here, yep. following data, following trends and not necessarily reinventing the wheel, but seeing what's working and then implementing those designs in or those attributes into our designs. That makes sense. I love that. Okay. Very much following the fast fashion trends. So you're not setting the trends, you're following the trends. Following the trends. Very, yeah. very different. Very different. I love that. So, okay. Well, I, I there's so much there we can go into um I, obviously i believe and like we align with that so much and that's probably why we're talking today is like like stop trying to reinvent the wheel all the time right just like figure out what people are looking for what they're buying and give them that like look like serve them right like uh we don't always have to be the inventor we don't have to reinvent the wheel and that's kind of sounds like that's kind of what your brand that's what you started with that kind of in mind um tell me the story then so you started this thing fast fashion on etsy then what um and then i just started launching as many designs as possible like launching 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 i think we got well at the time it was just me like we, i got up to like by the way not having data not having tools like ever be at the time just blindly launching stuff on etsy kind of knowing how to do seo a little bit um based off of what i saw with that client that i had but even her, she, at the time, like you didn't really do, you know, product research or keyword analysis yep. or competitor analysis at the time, you kind of just threw things up. So, um, you know, my strategy was just launch as many things as possible and start running ads, get to max budget spend as fast as possible. On Etsy, and Etsy ads? On Etsy, yeah. And like three years ago, you know, <laughs> Etsy was, you know, a lot of older sellers that fundamentally got in really early and didn't understand the importance of media media buying meaning on etsy what that means is just paid traffic on etsy mm -hmm. yeah spending money on ads basically and so you know being probably a younger seller at the time getting in at that time you know i immediately started spending max budget spend on all of my products started kind of learning how to read data from that turn off listings change some keywords here and there um, and just made it my mission to spend all day, every day doing product photography, designing and launching basically. Right. And at the time I didn't even know what I had. Like I didn't even realize what I had or what I was sitting on when I had it. Cause I just didn't really know what to go off of. Like I didn't know it was normal now looking back and like, dang, like those hundred thousand dollar months could have been really like $400,000 months if I had employees and help and like it kind of scaled away but you don't know where you don't want that i'm not like not complaining by any means but it's just that's just the cliche like you always feel like you could have done more or whatever that's like, amazing <laughs> that's, like, awesome. that, that's super inspiring a super inspiring story because like you just i just hear hunger right here just motivation like you're just like hungry to succeed hungry to like serve your your customers whatever that means right serve the market with what they're kind of looking for and you were just putting the work in, right? Like I, I don't, what I don't hear is, uh, I kind of want everybody to hear this too, is like, I don't hear a lot of analysis paralysis, meaning I don't, I don't hear about, I hear a lot of like, oh, I wasn't sure. So I analyzed, 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 analyzed. And then I just launched like five products. Like what I hear is like, you didn't really know exactly what was gonna stick, but you just launched and you launched. And I don't know, I just hear like a, a fast moving entrepreneur that's what I, that's what i'm hearing uh I, I don't know if you would agree with that but that's oh that's... yeah thank you yeah i think that's a key component to like why i saw the success i did 
And when people ask me on TikTok or on YouTube, they're like, well, how many hours did you put in when you start? Which I do get asked that quite a lot. I mean, I was a psycho. Like I did not stop. I mean, I would wake up at five in the morning, start doing fulfillment, um, you yeah. know, drive to the post office four times a day, do customer service. Like I really didn't stop for quite a while. I should have been outsourcing a lot of the work and getting help, but I just didn't know. Like I didn't know, but it's definitely really important. Um, you know, you can put up 50 listings. That doesn't mean you're going to have 50 bestsellers. Yeah. You know, even today that strategy still applies. Like you need to be launching, you know, even if you don't have 50 SKUs, you need to be launching, you know, at least a couple variations per SKU that you do have and constantly be testing. It's not, Oh, I put up 30 listings and I'm not making six figures. It's, no, what else? Tell me, tell me what else you tried because that's yeah. not enough, you know? Yeah. I, think, I think I agree with that. I guess like, that, we get that a lot too. Um, is like how, how many hours do you spend, you know, like on your shop or on your, on your, on your store. And I think that's, this may be contrary to what some people like the narrative nowadays. Right. But I kind of feel like it's the wrong question. You know, uh, I think the question, question is like, how did you get there and how can I replicate that success? Um, if you're going into entrepreneurship thinking that like, I want to be a part-time thing, unfortunately it's not going to work. Um, I hate I, to break it to you. You know, I literally am putting out a video or I'm putting out like a the five biggest mistakes video that I make. My fifth mistake, just letting you know the secret of the fifth mistake yeah. is that like not having, not having a growth mindset, which is like, so it's almost cringy when I get these comments and it's like, you don't want to be rude, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like e-commerce in a nutshell got painted with like get rich quick or something. And, he did. and yeah. it's like, and I, and I think maybe on YouTube, like people think that's like what it is and it's like totally not. And it's really, really dangerous if that's the perspective you have, like, Oh, I just want to start a POD store and not do anything and just make uh, passive income. That's what everyone always says. Everyone always says passive income. I'm like, okay, sick. But like, do you know how many designs you're going to have to like, it's not that it's not possible. Certainly. Sure. 100%. You know, you, we make sales when we're sleeping, but there's a lot of education and hours that has to go into becoming one of the top POD sellers, print on demand sellers on Etsy, especially because the barrier of entry is so low. So like if your mindset is like, Oh, I'm going to put out 30 listings and I'm going to be chilling. Like, no, <laughs> that's not at all. I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And I don't want, I don't want that to come across as like discouraging to like anybody that's not necessarily obsessed with their business. Cause you can become obsessed over time. Uh, but you certainly need to be open to like, Hey, I, I don't, I, if this doesn't work in six months, I'm still going to keep going kind of thing. Exactly. Yes. Like, 100%. Because yeah, it takes six, time. Six months to at least a year. Well, honestly, it's just like the stock market. You're, you only lose when you cash out. So exactly. it cool. doesn't mean that like your, if your products don't take off in the first six months that it's not going to work. Exactly. It just means you need to keep be keep your brain malleable to keep being open. Like you said, to changing so you can grow it into what it needs to be, to be able to make those sales or like whatever. Exactly. So, the, the cool thing about like these skills too, is that they compound over time, don't they? Right. Yeah. Like you learn, you learn funnels, right. Which is like funnels, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, it's like, it's just a, it's a, it's a way to describe like a sales funnel. Maybe customer you can journey, customer journey, the customer journey of somebody, somebody comes into like your shop, they land on your shop. Okay. What happens? You follow up with the email and then eventually convert. Um, it's very popular outside of Etsy. Uh, but Etsy has their own funnel. But anyway, point is with that is you learned a bunch of stuff. You, you, you could probably argue that you're not really using all of those skills in your Etsy shop. Right. But they, they're like, you're, you're using nuggets from them, like the fundamentals of, how does somebody convert? How to do product photography? Why it's important? Like, mm -hmm. why copy matters, right? In your description, copy meaning words. Um, those Running little reviews, reviews are everything. Exactly, they compound over time. Like all these little skills you put in, in your tool belt, and you just get better and you get better and you get better. But if you think of it like I'm gonna build this thing for six months and then I'm gonna have passive income and I'm gonna like retire on the beach, you're looking at it the wrong way. I would challenge you, challenge anybody to probably look at it that like, hey, like. Uh, commit to the process, commit to the journey, you know, and you're just gonna figure it out anyway. Would you agree? Like, what's your thoughts? Yeah, 100%. Just like one thing that I point out, like with my students is like, 
you're going to the Super Bowl. You're not, you're not going to the high school game. If you want to start a business, have the mindset to go to the Super Bowl. Set this stuff up right. Get the education that's necessary. Like, you know, if you're just starting football for the first year, I don't even watch football, but you know, you're not going to be a Super Bowl player in the first two years, even yeah. maybe, you know, like it takes time. Um, so you want to take your time. You don't want to rush it. You want to educate yourself. Um, but yeah, we don't want to have analysis paralysis. That is one thing that you don't want to do. You want to take massive action, yes. um, but educate yourself the best you can along the way and make educated decisions, um, during that process. Love that. Okay. Lo yeah. This is super valuable. Um, stuff nobody really talks about, right? It's, uh, okay. So tell us, you mentioned a couple of big numbers in there. You said a couple, like you said a hundred thousand dollar months, right? You said that like, as if plural, you've had those before multiple times. Um, how much have you done on IT? Like total or in one year, tell, tell anything, any numbers? To date, I think we're at 1.7 since the end, uh, or since the beginning of 2020. Um, we did have some hiccups last year where we were suspended. And I have a whole video about that on my channel, which actually, Probably, we probably would have done 2 million last year in 2021 if that had not happened, you but that's okay. <laughs> what is that? You would have got to 2 million if? No, we probably would have done. $2 million total in yeah, one year. Yeah, total in one year. Uh, is that, um, is that um, that's cumulative or is that just at alone? Um, oh, sorry, that's with, so. We've done 1.7 on on Etsy alone, but we also have a we had a Shopify brand as well running alongside that. So two million. When I say two million last year, Camila, that's not just on Etsy. On Etsy, the, on Etsy, the first year uh, we did about I think it was like 944 something in the 945 the first year. Last year we dropped to like you know 400 and some change, like 424. But last year we did like over 500 on Shopify. So we still almost hit a million last year, regardless with Shopify. But last year, if we did Shopify and Etsy, we definitely would have done like close to 2 million. Hopefully. I, that. I would have hoped so. But yeah, you know, if you guys are interested in seeing that story, that's on my channel as well. Yeah, for sure. But, but um, yeah, I mean, and it's not that every niche is that story though. It was very much our product. It was very much our, us finding things that were trending at that time um, and being the most aggressive when it came to launching products, mm -hmm. the way we would bundle our products, um, the way we would test our products. <laughs> like we were super, super aggressive on all those angles, more so than our competition. Um, those opportunities still exist. I think they still exist. Um, I think there's thousands and thousands of products that still don't exist in e-commerce yet like on the internet yet um so i think there's still a lot of opportunities but um one something that i like to point out because we have the fast fashion brand but i also have a home decor brand and you know for instance um etsy indexes you in different niches differently you know contingent on how much competition you have how much how many listings you have um how active your shop or your etsy store is how how many um uh or how many products you launch, uh, it's how much you're spending on ads, mm -hmm. the search volume for that niche entirely. So that was a really, those products that we launched had a very high, it was a very high search volume niche and we ranked really fast because of our aggressive approach. Now, <laughs> you could be working just as hard as me, but it could be in a different niche and because the search volume for that niche just isn't as high as the other, like a difference or our niche, mm -hmm. um, you know, you might not see the same results. So I don't want to be like, oh, I, you know, had these hundred thousand dollar months within the first six months. And like, that's like every niche. It's not, no, it's very totally. much not that. Um, and it wasn't like, again, like one thing I also point out, it's not like, oh my gosh, like she made a million dollars first year almost. Like, again, I was like an entrepreneur, like eating shit for like <laughs> yeah. two, three years before that to even get to that point. Yep. Um, but moral of the story is, the, the point that I was trying to make is fast fashion brand. We were seeing 10 K months in the first like 70 days. Right. I have a home decor brand that like has been open for a little bit over a year in just last month. We just had our first 10 K month, yep. you know, yep. after over a year. But why is that? It's because of search volume. 
And I also didn't work on that brand as much as I worked on my fast fashion brand. But um, yeah, and uh, you say when you say search volume, what I'm hearing is like not just like literally someone typing in the search bar, but also just like people are searching for this in general, right? That it's, general, it's, it's an in-demand niche, um, which no secret to anybody that's like like seeing Etsy data is that home home like the home category on Etsy is is huge. It's the biggest leading category, uh, and literally like. I guess shameless plug here, right? It's like you can go to Etsy, use Everbee, type in home decor and mm -hmm. click on analytics and you can see that it's, and you can do the same thing for, I don't know, uh, some like princess cup or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And you're gonna see the difference in, in like monthly sales volume. You're gonna see the difference in favorites. You're gonna see the difference in the, the, the velocity of these products. Just, that's not like, we're not making that data up, right? That it's getting, we're getting that from Etsy a lot of times. And the point is you're making is you can't have that success without like jumping into a product market that's that's in demand it's what you're correct yes correct so um like even though home decor is like one of the biggest niches right the sector of home decor that we're in is pretty specific and it's a very specific customer avatar um whereas the fast fashion was really speaking to the masses so based off keyword search right so like I always, you know, when you're doing your keyword research, you're kind of looking for your best case scenario keywords that are available to you and a keyword product fit for said product. So what people are typing in is what they're envisioning in their mind. They type it in, click on those words. Um, so like the heaviest hitter keywords that I have for the home decor brand that I have, it's only a couple thousand for the whole store. Like the highest one that is available to me is not that high. Yep. Whereas like the fast fashion brand, I mean, I, I had, I could pull dozens of high search volume keywords to start ranking for that were like in the 20,000 search volume, stuff like that. Um, and I could tell that based off of when I did my keyword research, you know, we use Everbee, you know, look at our competitors, look at the people that are on the first page for these keywords, find more keywords through your tag um, capability with Everbee. If you guys are on this Everbee channel, you should know what Everbee is by now, but <laughs> yeah, if uh, so all those things you can see, um, you know, with Everbee, you can see who's ranking for the top for high search volume keywords. And then you can, you know, see the, who is your top competitor, you know, click on that top competitor and then pull more keywords and then do more analysis on those, the keywords that they're using that maybe you didn't think about before, um, so far and so forth. So all of those things, all of, we just made like 50 different points in that whole topic. Oh yeah, <laughs> so much here. Like I had a list of questions that I wanted to hit and like, we're not even gonna get there cause it's gonna go so long, but um, <laughs> this is super, super valuable. Like. What do you think the biggest mistake is that people are making on Etsy? Um, one, not having a growth mindset, <laughs> but really another one, <laughs> one is uh, not making data driven decisions. So like, and we're seeing this a lot with older sellers that just, you know, got in early, didn't understand competitor analysis. They didn't understand keyword research. They didn't make data based decisions, which means they're blindly launching their designs based off of what they like instead of what what is actually working. Now, if you want to go and become a Shopify household, not a Shopify, or like just on your website, like if you want to build a brand that like people know your designs based off of your design and they're buying because it's that brand, uh, Etsy is not going to be the place for you. <laughs> people aren't going to know who you are on Etsy. People want what they're searching for. Yeah. Um, they're not searching your name, your name brand when you first start out. Could it turn into that? Sure. Maybe, you know, give it, it's just going to take a lot longer to see the su yep. success that you want. But um, if you really want to be successful on Etsy, you need to be making database decisions. You need to be using Everbee. You need to be using tools that show you keyword search volume. You need to be doing competitor analysis. You need to understand how to build better products and better value propositions in comparison to your competition um, before you even build the thing that you're going to sell. Like you should be having all this data and all these insights before you actually go into your um, product development stage and launch something. Um, what so uh, Walk us through like, okay, so let's say your home decor or, or it could be any niche, right? But um, walk us through, how do you decide? The question is like, how do I know what to sell? How do I know what to sell? What would you like be one strategy to like, okay, I'm trying to find a top selling product that I believe I can make and sell. What would you do in that case? Um, well, the first thing I would say is like, um, which I think you agree with, it's like, again, we were the entrepreneurs that were like, 
you know, give me anything and I'll sell it or I'm going to learn how to do design, right? Like, I'm not like super passionate about bathing suits, but I do like bathing suits. Like pick yeah. something you're remotely interested in yeah. first thing. Cause if not, the burnout is going to be like, ten, it's going to come 10 times faster, which I did actually end up seeing that and towards the end, um, before I sold my brand. But, um, yeah, so pick something that you are like, has some kind of remote interest in. Then I would say, okay, what do you have the capacity to do based off your tools, knowledge, resources of where you're at today? Do you have the capacity to build said product? If you don't do as much research as you, as you can to figure out how to do it. If you keep hitting dead ends, dead ends, dead ends, um, whether you're producing it yourselves, whether you're trying to find a manufacturer partner, whatever the case is, um, you know, do you have the capacity to build it? Right now, after you have the, is this, this is the question, right? This process, right? Yeah, no, totally. Okay. Nope. <laughs> now, okay. Do you have the capacity to do it? Okay, cool. Now let's do some, let's look at some breakdown of cost. Doesn't make sense. Can right. I produce this? Now I know I have the capacity to do it. Do I, do these cost breakdowns compete? where I'm making a profit and it's the price that I'm going to sell it at with the value proposition that I have. So the quality of the features, um, you know, whatever it is in comparison to your competition compared to the people who are at the top, do a, can I enter the marketplace already at with a competitive price or at least a better value proposition because maybe my quality is better. Maybe it's okay if it's more expensive, but you have to be giving them a reason why it's, it's more expensive. Why is it better? There's gotta be something, right? Um, Real quick, with, that, with that, um, financials and stuff, you're a numbers person. I'm a numbers person too. I live in a spreadsheet. Uh, what would you say a good profit margin that somebody should aim for on Etsy? Good question. So I always say like people get really tripped up now on Etsy and they're like, oh my gosh, my profit margins dropping all of a sudden from 40% to only, you know, 20% because now I have to spend money on paid ads. Like these older sellers that never had to spend money on ads now yeah. guys. 20% profit, net profit is freaking good. Like that is a great profit margin. Like these big fortune 500 companies, some of them only see a 10 to 20% profit margin. 10% return on your money is like, still not bad, depending on how much work effort you're putting into it. Now, if you're killing yourself for 10%, maybe not, but I would say 20% is like pretty, I don't know, would you agree? 20%? I would, I would agree. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, obviously you always want higher. Who, would, who doesn't want higher? You always do. You um, always want higher. But at the end of the day, like I try to think of how do I just increase the volume and keep that like a solid 20%, like then I feel really good. Ideally 30% because then it gives you some more margin for paid, yeah. paid ads and stuff like that before ads. So 30% before paid ads which will probably end up bringing you down to 20% after. Oh, I was saying, I was thinking after ads. So yeah, 20%, 20 to 30. I was thinking at least 20% after ads. Okay. So we're probably saying the same number. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. After ads. So after direct costs and marketing, basically, um, I would say, I mean, that's a great, if you're putting your money on the stock market, like 20% is on year on year is unreal. Like that's totally. great money. Like now if, you are sitting, someone sitting at like a 12, 10%, but it's not scalable, meaning you're killing yourself to produce said item. Sure. Maybe rethink your business model. Yep. But if it's something that's scalable and fast, like a lot of pure in on demand sellers, like when you really look at the numbers at the end of the day, their profit margin is maybe only 10%. Mm -hmm. But print on demand, as we know, like you don't do anything, there's no fulfillment. So 10% is sweet because it doesn't cost you. I mean, in some sense, like, not costing you a lot of like physical labor to produce. Yeah, that. I think the most people get hung up there. I don't know if you would agree is because they haven't figured out how to sell print on demand stuff. Mm -hmm. So they're worried about like, how do I get more percentage of less versus just figure out how to like sell the thing, like be successful. And then you won't really care about the 10%, the 20% quite as wide as much because you know that there's like literally an unlimited amount of buyers out there. Like we like everybody in the world is buying like yeah. online and buying a lot of them are buying on Etsy. Etsy's been more and more successful. Like the opportunity is absolutely insane uh, as they're going to grow. So like figure out how to sell it versus figure out how to like increase from like 10% to like 15% margin. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So basically, yeah, all together, we're looking for profit. We want to build a business that has profit. That's the numbers. We have the capacity to do it. We do some breakdowns, some crunch, some numbers. We want to see that there's profit. Perfect. Like you just said, now you need to go figure out, is this going to actually sell? 
Yeah. Now, right? So in the beginning, like you shouldn't be like obsessively, did I make a profit this month? You shouldn't even be obsessed. You should treat it as like a child where you're just nourishing it, nourishing it, nourishing it, expecting nothing in return for a while. Like you shouldn't be making back all of your money tenfold that you invested, unless it's like print on demand. For the most part, really, really fast. Even though print on demand, there's really no overhead costs unless you're paying for a designer. Um, but I would say even before that, so we have the capacity to do it. Cool, uh, you know, we crunch some numbers. We see that we're having a profit. Then I would go say, now we're gonna do some research. Now we're gonna go do some listing optimization. So we're gonna go into tools like Everbee. We're gonna go pull some competitor analysis and actually figure out how to market this um, on the creative side. So how do we make this listing look really aesthetically pleasing? Is it in photography? Is it in our videos? How are we gonna beat our competition? We have to have a really hard conversation with ourselves here because not everybody coming on the gates is a photographer. Not everyone coming out the gates mm -hmm. is a graphic designer. And a lot of us think that we are and we're not. And you need to be able to enter the marketplace knowing that you're going to beat your competition, like at least creatively, like in the photography or meeting them where they're at. Yeah. Um, and you do that by pulling top sellers on Everbee, obviously, yep. <laughs> um, analyzing them, analyzing their value propositions. Um, analyzing their keywords, going to market. And then moving forward, as we mentioned before, setting the expectation that this is my child. I am going to like most humbly give this child everything in my being in, existen in existence, expecting nothing in return. And the day when the day comes that I'm like, wow, I'm actually profiting, um, then it's like a plus. <laughs> yep. And then once we get that proof of concept, we get that momentum, then we scale, 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 see what's working and then do more of what's working and focus on those listings and those products. I love that. Um, okay. Did I miss anything? No, I mean, gosh, there's so many ways we can go down. I, I love these conversations for that reason. Uh, <laughs> conversion rates, what would you expect? Um, what, what would a seller expect on Etsy? What should their conversion rates be around? I've seen different stuff actually. Um, I've seen different stuff. Uh, this is also something that beginners get kind of tripped up with. They'll be like, oh my gosh, like I'm getting like, I got 50 clicks, but I didn't get a sale. I don't get it. Why? Yeah. That's not enough data. That's not enough data. Like you need hundreds of clicks, if not thousands of clicks to really get an accurate picture of what is a good click through rate for your products. What's a good uh, click through rate, meaning like, all the times that the product listing showed up in someone's face on a screen, did someone actually click on it? Um, you know, you need to get thousands of clicks and thousands and tens of thousands of impressions to really get an understanding of what's going on with your listings. Um, and one way to really collect that data fast or more rapidly than just like letting your listing sit is obviously ads. So putting some ad spend behind that um, and you know, see what's going on with your listing. Um, now, as far as your conversion rate specifically, I can almost argue that like it's contingent on your niche and what's profitable for you. So for some niches, a 2% conversion rate, 2% conversion rate means out of a hundred clicks, two people bought, um, you know, that's profitable. Now for other niches, depending on your price point, like people that are selling presets that are $4, you know, if you spend, you know, 20 cents a clicks on a hundred clicks and you're only getting two sales that may not be profitable, right? Because your price point's so low. So it just depends on what you're selling and really what your price point is. So if you're selling low ticket items, 2% may not be profitable. You might need like a way higher conversion rate. I don't know what that looks like, but you might need even more. For yeah. me in my products, you know, having a one to two at my Shopify store, 3%, maybe even 4% conversion rate on the high end, no, that's why that's pretty profitable for me. Yeah. So two to four percent is what I'm hearing is like, if you're below, if you're way below that, then you're have something going on with your product photography, very likely. Some, I would say maybe one percent, maybe less than, I would say almost one per, less than 1.5. Less than one, less than 1.5 percent. You need to fix something with the listings. Fundamentally, something is going on there. There might be something going on there, but yeah. still, yeah, it, it still doesn't, yeah. It still depends on your product, but yeah, I mean. Rule of thumb. Yeah. Are you profitable? When you look at your month end numbers, now in the beginning, you're probably not gonna be profitable, but if you're you know, rolling into your, the end of your first year, you're still not seeing a profit. I would not quit by any means, but um, you, know, you wanna see that your top line number 
is profitable. So after marketing, after product costs, after nine and a half percent at CPUs, all that stuff. So love it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, how do you va build value into your listings? So you mentioned that a little bit, like, how do you, like you talked about bundling a little bit, maybe talk, yeah. talk to Etsy sellers, talk to sellers about how do you actually build value into your one okay. listing? All right. So one secret sauce tip here is that I talk about and I, I claim a lot of my success and you know, the one listing that we had that did over 600, one listing did over 600,000. Like I made all of my money almost from one listing, not all my money, but a good chunk of money from one listing. Um, and not just in one year, actually in all the years that we were open is from bundling. So hmm. obviously having beautiful photography, obviously doing keyword research, pulling your competitions tags, seeing who's at the top, analyzing what's trending, what's what people are searching for, all those things. Once you, that's like, you know, pretty easy. That's like fun. Um, not that this isn't easy, but um, one thing is uh, bundling your items together. So what does that mean? That means Etsy, uh, you know, buyers are seeing a, a product image that shows more than one item in that image. Um, but then when you click on that item, when they click through, so you earn that click, they see a price, they see an image that shows more than one item. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm getting all these items for this price. And I'm gonna explain why this, you shouldn't feel bad about this in a second, but you earn that click. Um, and then when they get to the listing, there's a drop down menu and there's variations. So you can buy them separately, you can buy them together. Um, now you're not doing this to be deceptive. And some people may argue, can comment in the section in the comments if you think this is wrong, but I, if you're a seller, it will up your CTR um, by a lot um, for your listings and show Etsy that you have a good listing because you're earning those clicks, which the hard, the hardest part about all this is getting the click. Um, once you get someone to click through, um, you're already 50% of the way there. Now you just have to let the listing sell itself by having more beautiful photography, more beautiful videos, but you should have videos. Um, so bundling meaning the image, the main image shows more than one image. They get to the listing. Etsy's always going to auto populate the cheapest item out of all the variation options that you have. Um, and that's where it can be a little deceiving. And yes, sometimes people will purchase under the pretenses that they get everything in the picture, even though yeah. they had to click eight times and somehow thought that they <laughs> were still going to get everything in the listing. Um, and even the images are synced to the variation. So I don't know how people get confused, but for whatever reason, it still happens. So it comes with the cost, but it works. And um, so for example, let's walk through like a basic example, right? I have this mug right here, right? Um, if I sell mugs, I sell design mugs, uh, then I put this listing up just as one, that's not bundling. If I put it up as three mugs in the same image, and maybe there's three different dad, this is a dad mug. If I do three different designs of a dad mugs, in the, in the one image, that's now bundling. Now in the drop down, you actually use, you have one mug for sale, of course, for X amount of dollars, and then you have two, and then you have three, and then you have five, whatever you wanna do. Um, that is bundling, that's what you mean by bundling. Yes, 100%. So if you had three different mugs, had three different uh, designs on them, so you have three SKUs, stock keeping units, so they have three identification numbers um, in one listing, go to the drop down menu, they can buy option one, option two, option three, or they can buy option four, which gets you all three mugs. And it's really important to always have that option to have buy three, I would say, because um, there's always gonna be a percentage of people that buy the upsell. So if someone can ever buy more for a little bit less, so instead of buying three separately for $10 each, if they can buy three for $28 instead of $30, there's always, always gonna be somebody that buys the upsell. And similarly, if you are somebody that has, um, like I just did a consult with a girl that manufactured her family, um, I think they're from Iran and they manufacture gold and they actually are the manufacturer, they are the designer, solid gold though. So like very, very expensive, high priced items, like a necklace is $400, right? they don't have any downsell. So solid gold would be the upsell. So similarly to what I just explained with having an upsell of having an option to buy more for a little bit less, in her case, it's actually would be beneficial for her to have a downsell. You know, spending $400 online with a brand that you don't know for the first time is kind of scary. 
So having a lower tier priced collection, you could call it, of jewelry that maybe is not solid gold or maybe it's hollow solid gold where you, their barrier of entry or uh, is a lot less risky in the customer sense. So at least maybe they can buy this $50 thing instead of buying this $400 thing. You get them on the $50 thing. Now they love Grow Report and are loyal you. to you. Um, you know, you have a lower tier item, but then you also have a solid gold item. So it works both ways if you're coming from both angles. It can't hurt you by any means to have those variations or options. Yeah, totally agree with that. Um... Wow. Okay, cool. I already look, we already way past, I think an hour now. Um, no way. <laughs> gosh, always fun. Uh, maybe we should probably end it because otherwise we'll talk forever and <laughs> we'll have to do this again though. Um, I will, the link for Hannah's YouTube channel is in the description below. She has an amazing course that she's put together to help Etsy sellers actually grow their Etsy shop, grow their business into an actual brand. Um, obviously you got a ton of value out of this video. And you could tell that Hannah knows what she's doing. She's done it before. She's going to continue to do it again. Not because, not only because she's good at it, but because she actually loves it. And you can probably hear this, you know, when you're, when you're hearing her talk. Um, Hannah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for, for coming on the channel and delivering oh, thank value. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Thank you guys. And check out my channel. Um, we put out videos like this all the time. Cody puts out videos like this all the time. So subscribe well, to both of our channels. You, got any yeah, you know what I love about this is like we source information, right? It's like you have knowledge that I don't have. I have knowledge that you don't have. There's a bunch of other Etsy sellers in our community that have knowledge knowledge that we don't have, right? So we can like bring this together. Man, we're all powerful, right? We're all in this together. It's not like we're we're competing in a way. Like some sellers are competition to each other, but really you're not, we're all unique. I mean, that's the whole point. Like we want to build unique businesses and grab similarities and crossover. But at the end of the day, like we can all learn from each other and help each other grow. So it's cool. 100%, 100%. Well, thank you, Cody. Yeah. Thank you too. I will see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. I really appreciate Hannah coming on again. Be sure to check out her YouTube channel in the description below where she shows so many free strategies and tips on growing your Etsy shop and your business. As you'll see, she also has her course as well. Again, link in the description below for that. Uh, if you're already using Everbee, we love you. We appreciate you and we'll be anywhere without you. And if you're not using Everbee yet, go sign up for free in the description below. You need to be doing this. You just need to be using data to make decisions in your business. Find the best products to sell on Etsy with Everbee. And finally, I mean, I'm, I'm very curious. What is the biggest takeaway from the conversation with Hannah? Let me know what, what you think. What would you agree with? What would you disagree with in the comments below? What did you learn? Um, I really appreciate you guys. Again, I'll talk to you soon.